Hey, hello, hello. Good to see everybody uh, around here at Orland. Uh, welcome, welcome everybody at New Linux. Uh, we love you all. Everybody out at Homer Glen, uh, we love you as well. Everybody online, everybody on Facebook Live. Uh, this is a Facebook Live service going out all over the world. I was actually checking it out uh, before I came in. I, I wrote down uh, who's that? Stephanie's out there on Facebook Live. Hello, Stephanie. Um, Robert <clears throat> keeps saying hello and aloha. So Robert is maybe in a more warm place than we are. Aloha, Robert, to you. Uh, Harold and Judy. Uh, there's just there's there's all kinds of folks who join in on Facebook Live uh, as well. And uh, so I just want to welcome everybody here uh, <clears throat> this weekend as we head into this Thanksgiving time. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really good, really good week. And I know maybe some of you come in uh, today and you've had a good week. You're very grateful. You had a good time with friends or you had a good time at work or something like that. It's kind of like your life is just going up and to the right and everything is pretty good. And if you feel that way, I'm grateful. I'm glad that you're here. But maybe you're here this weekend and you came onto one of the campuses or you're watching online and maybe you haven't had a great week. Maybe it was kind of a tough week at home or with kids or marriage or maybe work. Honestly, you're thinking, I don't know what work is going to look like next year. And so it makes this part of the end of the year really tough. Listen, here's what I want to say. There's all kinds of us gathered up here today. And I just want you to know wherever you are on that spectrum, I'm so glad you're here and you are valuable and loved around here as we do life together and grow together and lean on each other. I'm glad that you are here. I'm so grateful to be here during this Thanksgiving Christmas season because this season for me marks four years now uh, that I've been on the teaching team uh, with Tim around here at Parkview. And so I'm so glad and so thank you. Awesome. <clears throat> Thanks. Man, I'm just, I love it. And, and you, you know, you never know what life's going to do because four years ago in my life, I was transitioning away from a, a pretty large church in Phoenix, Arizona, a lot like Parkview, and, and I wasn't sure what was next. I didn't know what God was going to do next. Maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe you're there in your life right now. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, Todd, I, I'm in a transition season. I don't know what's next. If you feel that way, listen, I've been there. I was there four years ago. I didn't know what my next assignment or what I would do. And that's when Tim and I started talking. And Tim said, I've been thinking about getting somebody together that could teach with me like a team. And I don't even know if it'll work. But let's give it, let's give it a shot. Let's teach together. And here we are four years later. And uh, again, I'm, I'm just so grateful for this place. I'm so grateful for Tim and Denise and their family. I have such respect uh, and admiration for them. And I love what we get to do and be around here. And last weekend, I want you to know this, uh, Tim had one of those messages that I would call a can't miss message, uh, meaning it was so important to who we are around here. And so I want to just bring you up to speed just a little bit. It's a short series last week. I'm closing it out this week, but I want to bring you up to speed on a couple of things he did. Uh, the first thing is he reminded us last week of some different signs that have always guided who we are at Parkview, the come as you are. There's no perfect people allowed around here. Just come as you are. You matter to God, no matter where you are in life. Slow children at play and the focus that we have on kids and the next generation and how important they are to us and investing in them. And then also grace happens in every one of our lives. 
And Tim shared these things, and, and they were so important with where we've been in the past, but also they're really important. As, as it, it's outlining who we are right now, and as we look to the future, these were so huge. And if you didn't catch those, I just want to, if this is going to be your place, I want you to catch last week's message. Also last week, Tim said something that just kind of, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, he, he began to describe last week how he feels like he's entering into the, the fourth quarter of his life and of his faith. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like you're entering the fourth quarter. But the truth of the matter is, even if you're in the second quarter or the third quarter of your life and faith, you know that the fourth quarter is coming, right? You know that that's coming in life. And I've been thinking about that a lot this week what it means for me and what it means for all of us. In fact, last weekend when Tim was preaching, I was watching the message last week on Facebook Live. That's, that's where I was watching. I was watching the Facebook Live message uh, from a Paris hotel, actually, last week. Not, not actually in Paris. I was at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas, actually. So just to be clear, I wasn't in Paris. That would have been really cool. I was at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas watching the message from Tim on Facebook Live and taking notes and things like that. And He's talking about the fourth quarter and, you know, inviting and investing in people and things like that. So I'm taking notes. And then as soon as I get done watching the message, I go down into the lobby. And I don't know if you've ever walked around any of these big hotels recently, but when you do, there's screens everywhere. There's just TVs and screens everywhere. And so I walk down into the lobby with some friends and with my wife there that last weekend. And uh, I start seeing all these screens, and especially there's these football games on every and I'm thinking about Tim's message, and I'm looking at these screens. In fact, I took a picture of some of the screens that I walked down and saw. That they're just, they're everywhere, right? And here's what I began to realize. I began to put, thinking through the message last week, thinking through this. In the world of sports, in the world of sports, like in football especially, like even though one game is in the fourth quarter, there's all kinds of other games just getting started in the first quarter. There's always another game starting, especially like on Saturday with college football, you know, Alabama may be in the fourth quarter of their game, but Ohio State or UCLA is just starting the first quarter. So, so in the world of sports, it's always the first quarter somewhere. And what I realized is it's the same way for us in our lives. Though many of us may be in the second or third or fourth quarter of our lives or of our faith, we also know people, some friends or family members or neighbors or classmates who may just be entering into the first quarter of their faith during this Christmas season. And the beauty of the church, Parkview, the, the calling of the church, the big C, God's church that we've always been a part of, the calling of God's church has always been for the people who are especially in the third and fourth quarter of their life and faith to never take their eyes and their hearts and their minds off of the people who are just entering into the first quarter of their faith in God. In fact, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that if we could see beyond our humanness today in these rooms that we are in, we would see that heaven, even right now, is cheering us on. They are, they are counting on us to invest in people and invite people into the first quarter of their faith. In fact, I have this kind of strange picture in my, in my mind. It just goes around in my head and about Jesus in heaven. And I know I, I've shared with you some things in my mind before. It's a strange place. 
And uh, I'm just, so just go with me here on this, okay? I, it's, it's, this, is, this is what I think about when I think of Jesus in heaven. He, he's been down here on earth. He's lived this perfect life. He's beaten, abused, goes to the cross, dies, buried in the tomb, and goes back to heaven. He gets back to heaven, and a bunch of angels kind of begin to gather around him. And as the angels gather around, one of them pipes up and says, hey, are, I mean, are, are you okay? We saw what happened to you down there. Are you all right? And he says, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm good. I'm complete. I'm, I'm going to be fine. Another angel pipes up and says, well, now, does everybody down there know what you've done for them? They, they know how much you love them. They know what you did on the cross and how they can come to God through your sacrifice. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not, 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 not everybody knows that. And then one of the angels says, well, then, then what have you done? What have you done to let everybody know about what you did on earth to save them and, and bring them to new life? What have you done? And Jesus, here's, here's the picture in my mind. Jesus gathers all these angels around. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Gathers them all around. He says, okay, here's what I did. You want to know the plan? Here's what I did. Here's what I did. While I was down there, I talked to a few people. I talked to Peter. I talked to a guy named James, and I talked to a guy named John, and here's my hope. My hope and my challenge to them was that I wanted them to tell others. And then I'm hoping they will tell others, and then they will tell others, and then they will tell others. It's a plan. That's it. And I think it's probably quiet in heaven for a long time. After that, where all the angels are kind of talking to each other. And finally, one of the, you know, really brave angels, maybe he just got on the team, doesn't know he's not supposed to talk, um, <laughs> asks the question and says, oh, that, that sounds good. That's, you're the son of God. We're going to go with that. That's a good plan. But, but, but just what if, just, I mean, what if, just what if, like, what if in the future people get distracted from that plan? I mean, what if, what if they, you know, get busy and they're doing other things and then they aren't, Telling others and telling others. I mean, I mean, haven't you? Okay, okay, okay. Haven't you made any other plans? <laughs> and I think Jesus looks right at them. And just like I'm looking at you today, and he says to them, no. There's really no other plan. I'm counting on them to just tell others and to tell others. Parkview, do you realize that the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other people? That's it. That's all. And so today, that kind of gets us in the mindset for what I want us to think about and study as we consider the season that we're in and inviting people into this first quarter, potentially, of their faith. If you have a Bible today, I want to ask you to open to John chapter 1. If you have a smartphone or you have a tablet or something like that, however you locate scripture, if you have a desktop, you know, you probably didn't bring a desktop. If you, if you still have a desktop, who, who has desktops? Anyway, um, how, right? however you locate scripture, just go ahead and find John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be diving in and trying to understand some of these things for our lives. Let me give you some context while you're looking that up. In John chapter 1, John has just seen Jesus, and he calls him out. He says, there's the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. That, that's the Messiah. That's who we've been waiting for. That's him right there, walking along the riverbank. That's Jesus. And from that point on, Jesus begins his public ministry. And he begins to invest in people and invite people to follow him. The reason we invest in people and invite people into this journey is because that's what Jesus did. He invested and invited people to do that. 
And so let's see how this plays out. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So pause here for just a moment. Who found Philip? Who was it that found Philip? Not a, not a trick question. Jesus did, right? Everybody say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus found Philip and said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you follow me? And so he begins to do that. But then look at what immediately happens. Check this out. Then Philip found Nathaniel and told him. So, so, so Jesus finds Philip, invites him into the journey, and then almost immediately uh, Philip goes out and, and found his buddy Nathaniel. And he says to him, he says, hey, hey, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so, so here's what happens. Jesus finds Philip, invites him in, and then Philip wastes no time going, and once he was found, he goes and, and, found, and finds Nathaniel, his buddy. And, and here's, here's, here's the crux of everything I want us to study today. I, I, here, I'm going to give you the big idea of our whole study today right up here, right up front, right at the beginning of the message. So after this, what we could actually probably just pray and, and go home if we wanted to. We're not going to, okay? We're not going to because we have other things to study. But we could. Here, here it is, okay? If you want to write this down, here, here it is. Found people find people. They just do. That's the way it works. Found people find people and invite them into this new journey towards Jesus in their life. Now, I know there's all kinds of things in our lives. There's all kinds of hindrances for found people finding people. There's all kinds of reasons that, that we don't reach out and invest and invite other people into the first quarter of their faith. There's lots of things that hinder that. One of the big things in our lives is simply this, just fear. Maybe some of you right now are even sitting there, you know, we're thinking about this. You were getting kind of amped up. You know, last week we were talking about invest and invite, and you're thinking, man, I'm going to do that. And today, you know, we're talking about, you know, found people, find people, and you wrote that down in your notes, and you're thinking, Todd, that's really good. I mean, that's got a ring to it. Found people, find people, found people, find people. And you're thinking, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to so find some people. I'm going to invite. They're going to be so invited. It's going to be unbelievable. And so you're thinking about all these people even right now that you can invite and that you can find. But then what starts to settle in is you really think about going out into this world this week as you start to think, but I'm a little fearful. Because, Todd, if I do that, if I start reaching out and investing and inviting people and found people, find people, if I start doing that, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen, Todd. These people are going to start asking me questions when I invite them back here, invite them to meet Jesus, invite them to Christmas. They're going to start asking me stuff. They're going to be like, you know, they're going to be talking about Genesis and like the whole creation thing and how that happened. And guess what, Todd? I don't know. I'm not you. I'm not Pastor Tim. I don't know everything. Right? And, and they're going to ask me, like, if, Todd, if, I'm gonna freak, if people ask me about the dinosaurs, I'm going to freak out because I have no idea what happened to those. I'm really disturbed by that. I, I don't know what to say to people about the dinosaurs. It's going to make me look really stupid and I, I, if, since I don't know that. And, or, or we're going to say, you know what, Todd, somebody's going to talk to me about God and why, why such a good God. You want me to go to church with you? Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Why does such a good God allow such bad things to happen to people? And, Todd, I'm not sure how I would answer that. Because I'm kind of confused about that myself. And here's, here's what happens to us so many times in this equation. Check this out. Because we don't know everything, we are fearful of sharing anything. 
I, I, I don't know everything about Genesis. I don't know everything about Revelation and the end of times. I don't know everything about the Gospels. I don't even know everything about Parkview and everything that we believe around here. I don't know everything. And because I don't know everything, I just don't feel like I can share anything. And I get that. But here, here's what I would say to you. Here's the thing. Here, listen, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. At some point in pretty much every single one of our lives, there was a person who didn't know everything. who decided to put aside their fears and share something with you about Jesus. In fact, can we just do this? I'm, I'm just curious. On, on all of our campuses, if, if you are invited to Parkview somewhere last few months, years, or decades, if you have a friend, somebody at your work, a neighbor, somebody in your own family, if some person, the way you got to Parkview is that somebody you know invited you to come here, just across all of our campuses, just raise your hand really proud right now, just all around. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's all, it's just all, it's all around the room. Now, now, now let me ask you this. Did that person who invited you, did they know everything? They may have thought they knew everything. They're like, okay, here's where it all began, you know, kind of, you know, it's like, okay, 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 right, right, right. No, they didn't know everything. Of course they didn't know everything. Their presentation to you probably, you know, wasn't the most professional and that sort of thing. And they probably stumbled over their words some and they were probably nervous. But they shared something with you and that changed everything for you. It's just the way it works. I love the way this guy named Paul talks about finding people and reaching out to people. And Paul is a guy in the Bible. If you've been around church for a lot, you probably know who Paul is. If you haven't been around church a lot, Paul is a guy in the Bible who found Jesus, came to Jesus, and then he was just really good at talking to people and finding all kinds of people and introducing people to the first quarter of their faith. And we kind of see Paul a lot of times as like a hero of the faith and just always knew what to do and say. But that's here's what's so interesting. When you really look at the way Paul felt, reaching out to people. It, it, it's kind of a different story. Take a look at this. This is in 1 Corinthians. In the same way, my brothers, when I came to you to proclaim God's purpose, I did not come equipped with the brilliance of speech or with intellect. You may as well know that it was my secret determination to concentrate entirely on Jesus Christ and the fact of his death upon the cross. As a matter of fact, in myself, I was feeling far from strong. I was nervous and rather shaky. You ever been nervous and shaky? You're getting ready to invite somebody, and you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, found people, find people, found people, find people, found people, find people. And, and you're, you're, you're thinking that, you're thinking that, and then you're saying, I'm going to do it. And then you get there, and you're like, ah, I don't know what to say. You know, I forgot everything. I don't know where I go to church. You know, it's, it's big. It's, you know, I, it's, I, I don't know. That, that's, you know, that's what happens sometimes. And, and he said, what I said and what I preached had none of the attractiveness of a clever mind. But it was a demonstration of the power of the Spirit Plainly, plainly God's purpose was that your faith should not rest upon man's cleverness, but upon the power of God. Listen, you don't have to know everything to share something. You don't have to know everything about God and faith and the Gospels and the beginning and the end of creation to invite somebody into the first quarter of their faith in Jesus. Now, I know a lot of times part of the big frustration that we get when we extend invitations to people is we're not exactly sure how they're going to reply, uh, reply and respond. And, and in this world, you know, truth, truth time here, people who we talk to a lot of times are skeptical. They're skeptical of God, who he really is. They're skeptical of faith. They're oftentimes skeptical of church. And, and sometimes there's good reason for that, to be honest, for them to be skeptical. 
But I want you to realize that the way it is now, it, it was no different in the first century that we're studying. They're still skeptical then. Let's continue again what goes on here with Philip and Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, the one whom the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He tells him this, he's inviting him. Look at the very next thing that Nathaniel says. Look at Nathaniel's reply. <laughs> Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. So he's inviting him, he's telling him about Jesus, and Nathaniel says, are you kidding me? Nazareth? Jesus, we know who Jesus is. He's that carpenter's son and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and from the very beginning, as he in, begins to extend this invitation to him, Nathaniel is skeptical, he's unsure, he has, he has doubts in his mind about all of this. But, but what, what happens, what I love Philip's reply, when, 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 when he does all of this and when he says this about Nazareth and starts ripping on Jesus' hometown... Philip doesn't say, okay, well, that's enough right there. You, you should, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you should, he doesn't do any of that. Look, look at what Philip does. His very next words after Nathaniel is skeptical, here, here's what he does. Hey, okay, just come and see. Come and see. Hey, listen, listen, listen. I know you're skeptical about all of this. <coughs> just come and see. I know you have some doubts, maybe about Jesus and this whole Nazareth thing. Could you really, here, here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm saying. Just, just listen, Nathaniel. Just come and see. Come and see. You, you want to know something? Parkview, Parkview is a come and see kind of church. That's who we are. It's a come and see kind of church. The way we do church around here at Parkview screams, come and see. If you've been around here the last few decades with Pastor Tim, you know that. Just come and see. Or like Tim said last weekend, come and sit with me. Just come sit with me. We have these popcorns out at all, all of our uh, doors at all of our campuses, these little microwave popcorns that in, invites to the Christmas services. I have about 12 of them right now in my bag because um, I'm re restocking. You know, <laughs> don't, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, please. Okay, unless you're going to give them out, don't, this is not restocking. But it is actually good. It's, it, you know, we did the butter, so it's, it's, it's expensive and it's got butter on it. <clears throat> so it's, it's the good popcorn too. Um, anyway, 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 okay. So we, these are all over the place and you can pick up one of these even, even just this, this weekend and, and go to your neighbor, go to that friend at work and say, listen, I, I know that you said you were, you've told me you're burned at church and, or your parents were or whatever. I know you're kind of skeptical. And here, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to say. Just, just come and see. We've got these Christmas things going on. We've got this movie series going on. It, it's, it's right here. Hey, here, here, here's some popcorn. Here's some popcorn. Just, just pop, pop, pop the popcorn. Just, just think about it and come, come set with me. Come, come, just, just do it. Just, just come set with me. Last weekend, I'm listening to Pastor Tim's message. I, I wrote this down. In my notes, I thought it was just so good. Here's, here's what he said. He said, Parkview has always been a place where the doubters, the sinners, and the skeptics can find peace and hope and love and joy. And where they can know they're at home with the rest of us doubters and sinners and skeptics. Just who we are. This is a come and see kind of place. And what I want us to realize this weekend, Parkview, is, is, is simply this. Being skeptical or battling unbelief does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It's actually a prerequisite. As you study the Bible, everybody that Jesus invests in and invites to follow him, all of his initial disciples, all of those people go through seasons of doubt, every single one of them. Unbelief, I'm not sure, is Jesus really this? And they all go through those seasons, including Nathaniel. 
that we're talking about here today. He's not sure. But Philip just says, okay, listen, just come and see. Would you just come and see? Here's some popcorn, Nathaniel. Come and see. So he does. Follows him. They get close to Jesus. And when they're coming up near Jesus, here's what happens. Jesus calls Nathaniel out. Pretty amazing. Verse 47, 48. Check this out. As they approached, Jesus said, here comes an honest man, a true son of Israel. Verse 48. Hey, how, how do you know what I'm like? Nathaniel demanded. And Jesus replied, I can see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. I've read this so many times in my life, over the course of my life, this section of the Bible. But only in this last week or so of studying this have I realized, you know what, this, this is pretty amazing to me. This is me. Jesus found Nathaniel before Philip did. He could see him even before Philip could. What if, just go with me here, what if the reason that Jesus found Philip is because he knew that then Philip would find Nathaniel? Nathaniel and Philip had a relationship, and Philip would be able to come near him and find him. And that's why Jesus found Philip, because he knew that he could then find Nathaniel. Could it be? Could it be that God actually saw your neighbor where you live? He met your neighbor and knows your neighbor before you did. I mean, you live where you live because, you know, when you saw the house or the condo or whatever, you liked it, and you think we can paint it this and we can afford it. That's all good. Those are all good things. But maybe the bigger reason even that you live where you live is because before you even moved there, God saw a neighbor that he knew you would be in relationship with, and he knew if you were found, you could probably find them. Could God be that big? The reason you go to school, the reason you work where you work is not just to get that degree or get that paycheck, but because God saw somebody that you would be close to. Listen, so many of us, I would say all of us, are close to someone who is far from God. And God has put you where he put you on purpose. It's the same with me. So that we can reach others. And then reach others. And then reach others. Take a look at how this wraps up in verse 49. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now time out for just a moment. How does, how does this happen? Just a few moments ago, he was, what good can come from Nazareth? And who is this Jesus? And now he's saying he's the son of God? He went from being a skeptic to a believer in just a few moments? How does that really happen in, in, in somebody's life? I'll tell you how it happens. Philip got his friend Nathaniel to a place where he could meet Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. Listen, listen Parkview, listen. In this whole equation, we don't change people's lives. Jesus changes people's lives. It's just our job to say, hey, look, okay, come and see. Come, come sit with me. And Jesus changes people's lives. 
I know when we do that, you know, a lot of times we're thinking about God's prompting us to do this. And Todd, I got some people I'm going to invite. And I got some people that I'm found. I'm going to find this person. And we have all that kind of stuff. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to invite them. A lot of times when we do that, we get all excited about it in here like on the weekend. But then when we actually go out to do it, our first tendency a lot of times is when we see those people, we look at those people and we think, ah, I was going to do it. But since they don't look interested, I don't think they are interested. So I'm just going to, someone else, someone else, someone else. I'm going to find someone else. And since they don't look like they need anything in their life, I don't think they do need anything in their life. Since, since they look so happy and perfectly put together, they must be just all perfectly happy and put together. So I'm just going to move on. And here's what we overlook a lot of times. What we overlook is that looks can be deceiving. The way we carry ourselves, the way we act, is not always what's going on on the inside. And looks can be deceiving. Let me give you just a good example of this. You know who this guy is? <clears throat> Chuck Norris. It is stinking Chuck Norris. <laughs> Several years ago, we moved to Los Angeles. I was part of a church. It was a big place, a big room, 1,000, 2,000 people in there. But I led a Sunday night service in this huge, big room. There was only about 150, 200 people. 7 o'clock, Sunday nights, I would lead it every week. Big, huge room, seat more than 1,000 people, 150 people in the room every Sunday night. One Sunday evening, guess what? Chuck Norris comes into the room with his wife, a couple of his kids, comes into the room, into this Sunday night service. And, and uh, over the course of the next few months, I had the opportunity to get to know him some and speak into their life, you know, and, and, and battle him some. And, and No, we didn't do that. We never, we never, you're thinking, wow, that's pretty cool, Todd. That's, how'd that go? No, and we didn't fight ever, so that's not true. But we, I did get to know him, speak into their life, be a part of a couple of his kids coming to Jesus, being baptized and things like that. And you're sitting there thinking, seriously, even Chuck Norris is, is interested in Jesus? I mean, he's stinking Chuck Norris. He's good. He looks good, right? He looks everything, everything's all good. No, listen, even Chuck Norris needs Jesus. Even Chuck Norris has things and ideas in his family about Jesus. The way you look on the outside isn't the way it always going on the inside. He needs Jesus. And it's the same way with our friends. It's the same way with a lot of our family that we're going to be with around Thanksgiving here, no matter how they look. It's the same way with some of our neighbors. And listen, I could go on. It's the same way with Kanye. Same way with Kardashians, Bieber. Don't get me going on all this, okay? Listen. Listen, God is constantly working behind the scenes to prepare people to hear his message constantly. He's working behind the scenes. He just is. And here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know this weekend. We don't start at scratch with anyone. We just join God where he's already working. A lot of times we think, you know, if I'm going to invite that person or I'm going to get with that neighbor, that person I go to school with, here's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to invite them to the churches. I'm going to, you know, church, I'm going to get them popcorn. But before I do that, I'm going to have to get coffee and say, okay, look, you know, let's start in Genesis. Here's the whole deal. Here's, we don't know how it happened, but here's the thing. Here's what it says. No, you, no, no, no. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Listen, you don't have to do that. We, we, don't, we don't start at scratch with anyone. We just join God where he is already working. I promise, I promise, I promise, every single person you meet this week is a person where God is already at work. We just say to them, hey, come and see. Come, come sit with me. And then we get to see God do great things in people's lives. It's pretty cool, pretty amazing. Let me pull this all together and wrap this up with just one last uh, <clears throat> story. It's, it's, it's from the world of sports. Figure, you know, we kind of wrap it up with this. Let, 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 just go with me here. Let, let's say that a couple of weeks from now, 
a whole bunch of us from Parkview, like, like three or four hundred of us, all decide to go to the Bears game. Okay? We, we get this huge, we buy this huge block of tickets, like 400 tickets. And actually, we don't even have to buy them. They just give them to us because no one's going anymore. Um, so I, just, I know, it's, just, it's tender. It's just tender, but just, funny because it's true. Anyway, um, so, so we get these tickets, we buy them, we buy the tickets. There's like 400 of us. We're, we're super fired up. We're excited. We, we all get down to the stadium, you know, and, and we're, it, we're, we're dressed warm. It, it's freezing, you know, stinking cold a couple weeks from now. We're, you know, we're all grown out. Guys and girls are growing out their beards, and it's, it's just it's, it's awesome. It's great. Super excited. Uh, the, the game begins. Uh, the Bears get the kickoff. Their offense comes out on the field, and they, they get the ball, and they huddle up, and they're talking about everything and all the plays they're going to run, but then they never break the huddle. And the time expires, the referee blows the whistle and says, okay, and penalizes them, moves our team back five yards, and they huddle up again and begin to talk about what they're going to do. And the thing is, they, they, don't, they never, again, they don't break the huddle. And the referee blows the whistle again, moves them back again five yards, and our team gets together, the Bears, and they're huddling, they're talking about what they're going to do, and they never break the huddle. And they end up having to punt and things like that. It, it, this just goes on and on. At some point, those of us who are sitting there are going to have to say, Hey, listen, we know you can huddle, okay? You're really good at huddling. But 61,000 people don't sit in the freezing cold and pay $145 a ticket to see you huddle. We know you can huddle. What we want to know is, can you score, right? Can you move the ball? Do we have a team here? Right? That's what we want to know. And you know what? You know what? Listen, I think, I believe it's the exact same way with our world and our lives. I think there's a world out there around us, friends and neighbors, who know we can huddle. Every single weekend they see us pull out of our driveway and we come to campuses and we huddle. They know we can huddle. But what our friends and neighbors in the world wants to know is, can you score? Do the things that you're talking about in private actually work out in public? We know you can huddle. You're good at that. But can you score? Will you live these things out in the real world? Listen to this. Listen. It's, it's great to come to church. But it's better to go be the church. I'm so glad that we can come and we can huddle. It's important for us to huddle and learn and grow and support each other, but only if we eventually break the huddle and go out there and live this out. We have, yeah, right? That's us. We have an unprecedented opportunity to say to people during this Christmas season, hey, listen, just come and see. Come here, come sit with me. Here's some popcorn, it's butter. <laughs> come sit with me. And if we'll do that, we'll see God do some incredible great things over the next few weeks in people's lives. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up together all around our campuses. Let's stand up. Praise God. Let's stand up. I want us to pray together and then I want us to sing as we head out into this week of Thanksgiving. God, thank you for today and for allowing us all around Chicagoland and online to huddle, to learn, to grow, to get refilled probably 
so we can pour ourselves out again this week. God, I praise you for the fact that we can meet up together. And I know we should not do that is what scripture, the Bible tells us. So we should continue to meet together. And so God, we do. But God, I also pray that you would help us realize this week that there are people around us who need to be invited into the first quarter of their faith. And God, I pray that we would put aside some of our fears in the same way that somebody did for us. And we would say to them, come and see. Just come sit with me this weekend. And God will give you all the praise for the great things that you do. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Everyone says? Amen. 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 Let's sing together.